Hello everyone and welcome back to Young Professionals Guide where we inform you about different careers and industries to help you build your own future. In the last episode we were talking about startups, what it's like working in one, what is the mentality of a startup and today we're going to talk about SMEs. Uh, companies that are a bit larger than a startup, a bit more established and for that I have uh, our guest Natasha here for today. Natasha, hi. Thank you very much, Radian. and thank you for inviting me for this podcast. Uh, my name is Natasha Janssen. I work for Gibson Europe BV. Uh, for those who do not know Gibson, Gibson is a manufacturer of guitars, and we are a small, medium enterprise. I work as an HR manager, HR director, and I'm responsible for facility as well. So that's me in a nutshell. That's you in a nutshell. And who doesn't know Gibson? I don't know. But some people <laughs> do say Gibson, and when I just present that I'm playing the guitar, then all, everybody says, ah, that company yeah, I, I know very well. <laughs> I, I also do the same, you know, like I tell pe people like uh, Gibson and I always do the, the hand gesture, like the guitar company. Indeed. Like, oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. But all right, we're here to talk about SMEs. Um, what can you tell me about uh, Gibson as a whole? Uh, for example, how many employees, what's the culture like, uh, company size, opportunities, etc. Um, tell me everything. Yeah, absolutely. So Gibson Europe, we are responsible for uh, Gibson in Europe. Uh, not only Gibson, Gibson has a lot of smaller uh, companies also like Epiphone, like Kramer, um, like Mesa Boogie since a couple of months now. Um, so they all fa fall under the Gibson brand and uh, we are responsible for Gibson Europe. We have 65 employees across seven countries in Europe. Um, um, yeah, we talk about Belgium, the Netherlands, uh, Germany, France, Italy, Spain, and the UK. Uh, and for 65 employees, I'm doing the HR part and also the facility part. So we're a pretty small organization. So we are a small, medium enterprise, as we call it. Um, normally, if you say startup, uh, that can be between 10, 15 employees. Uh, so we're a small to medium-sized organization. Mm -hmm. And uh, you said uh, you're working together with the states. Are you also combining the states? Are, are they considered um, small, medium, or uh, are you, if you're combined together, are you an enterprise? Uh, we don't call us an enterprise, no. But I think if you calculate it into in terms of numbers, because normally you would say 250 plus, then you you call it an enterprise. Then we definitely are an enterprise company. Yes. In that case, for the sake of this episode, we'll just focus on uh, on Europe because this is an uh, episode about SMEs. Yes. <laughs> Yes, um, but we also act and, and work that way. Acting and working that way. What do you mean by that? Uh, small, small teams. So we are responsible for sales, marketing, HR, facility, finance. And we don't have, like, like a lot of enterprise companies, they have an HR department when they have separate recruitment department, um, um, comp and ben department, SIC, uh, employee health department. And here we are with three people at this moment in HR, one being an intern, one HR coordinator, and uh, one being myself as the HR manager of the department. And we do everything. So we do recruitment, we do um, the creating handbooks, we make sure that employees are being onboarded. If something goes wrong, we are in the middle of the meetings that we're having, we make sure that the salaries are uh, up to date, performance evaluation, so everything. So you can call us a generalist, but that's also pretty normal in, in a company like Gibson or like a small medium enterprise. Mm -hmm. And does this generalist approach apply on an individual and an employee level or um, as a company as a whole, how it operates? Um, when we were talking about startups, it was kind of like, all right, everyone is doing everything and we're trying to survive. Uh, how does it look like um, in an SME exactly? 
uh, in the company one, but the thing there's a difference there. So a, a small enterprise or a really startup company is really then you do everything. Then it might be that you do finance, you do HR together, and facility. So th then that's your role in a company like 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 we are right now. Uh, I'm focusing on HR. Uh, in, in my case, facility, but sales is focusing on sales. Finance is focusing on finance. They they do have their expert roles. Um, but I always say like we are with 35 people in the Netherlands uh, in the office in Amersfoort. And I do say we all do it together. So if there's a question which doesn't specifically belong to HR or to finance or to sales, together we need to find a solution. Um, but we do, it's not like a startup where you do almost everything everybody has this expert um, role. And how would you then describe this kind of an environment where uh, everyone has uh, their own tiny little corner, but still working together in a generalistic way? I like this environment, but that's also <laughs> why I work for why I don't work for an enterprise company, because I know everybody in the company. I know uh, how they work. I know what they do. Um, we have one on one conversations. Um, so that gives me a good feeling and and that's for the rest of the team as well so uh, it's not that we need to print out an org chart if we have a question about a certain topic and then need to find out i need to call this and this person which i've never met everybody knows who works in sales everybody knows who works in finance in marketing so we all have good connections and we can work well together um, but we also know well this person is not maybe not the one where i work well with so i go to another person to make sure i get things happening mm -hmm. So it's kind of like um, a small family office, so yeah. to say. maybe with the time, but uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, depends also on the type of company, but we call it the Gibson family. So oh, if you've been hired, you're part of the Gibson family. You don't have to go through some rituals, right? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> not yet. I like that approach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, what would you say about the um, bureaucracy that is going on there? So, for example, um, you talk every day, uh, you know the names, you know their background, you kind of understand a person. How do you deal with the bureaucracy in the offices compared to, uh, for example, enterprises or maybe startups from your experience? You know, I, I've never worked at a startup, so I, I can't really uh, judge how it is working for a startup. Obviously, I have some information from other um, people in the field, but, you know, I, I still believe bureaucracy exists, but also at Gibson we have, you know, we have levels. We have managers. We we have um, somebody who's responsible. But we have flat lines, so you can really easily talk to everybody. Um, our CEO can call you, um, and and that normally doesn't happen in 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 a big enterprise company. Or at least you get probably very scared if the CEO is going to call you. Um, but you know, depends in, on the in, time. <laughs> it depends on the time as well, indeed. But here, if if I want to go to, and we call it our president uh, in the Net even in the Netherlands, I can just go to him and ask him a question. Um, and and with also making decisions, decision making bottom up, top down. Um, it really depends on on the situation so uh, we try to do bottom-up but it's not always possible so sometimes as a company you need to make a decision for the company uh, and then it will be top down so yes it is existing um but not some i think it will be more an enterprise company because you, you can you know we're small so you can ask for opinions from from the group which in a, in a bigger company you need to ask certain delegates from from each department and does this uh, flat line also apply between the communication uh, from um, different departments? So, for example, country, you said Netherlands, you said Belgium, uh, yep. Germany, I believe, was also mentioned. Correct. Um, 
does it also apply between the countries uh, or just within uh, within this one tiny little uh, Gibson family in Amersfoort? No, the Gibson family is all of Europe. So um, also, and you know, we're working from home now. So now we also experience how it is to work in the countries because all, most of our employees do work from home in, in, in Germany, in France, in Italy. Um, and I think we've come more together even now. But we, I, you know, if I need a question, an answer on a question, I just call to an employee in France. And what do you think it is that got you and the Gibson family even closer than before, ever since you started working from home? Well, we were first. We were all together uh, in Amersfoort, so we were 30, 35 employees at one place, and they were farther away. Uh, now everybody's working from home, so now we all do team calls and even more team calls. Everybody puts their videos on right now, so we really see facial expressions um you can also do some small talk uh, and and we do that now with the teams in 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 the countries as well like before we did team meetings face to face in the office uh, and then it might exclude somebody who is in in another country or they're being added through a, a conference call or to teams or whatever you use um, and they, they are not part of the team then at that moment or at least that's sometimes how they feel. Now everybody's at home, so we all have the experience and we know how it works. Um, so I, I think that that has also been good. What can you say about the the current size? So for example, if Gibson uh, Europe, if the Gibson family decides to expand, uh, yep. decides to say, hey, we want to have more people, we want to have more countries, um, what do you think uh, will be the first thing to change when changing from an SME of a smaller size uh, and just starting to grow a bit further and further. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the first changes that that we uh, will experience is obviously if you buy another company, then it's it's culture, um, and it's also the terms and conditions that you have. Um, so you really need to make sure that that's aligned um, procedures. So we have, you know, Gibson is also growing. Uh, we talk about Gibson 3.0 because we have been bought by um, KKR uh, in 2018. So our organization and our CEO also calls us a 126-year-old startup company. Um, and we, we are in a way, and we are really changing right now. And that goes with new systems, that goes with new way of working, um, new competencies that we need from our employees. Um, so, you know, and, and um, also a new mindset. And, and that's also, that's the transition where we are in right now, not as an enterprise yet, but for example, if you buy another company or you want to expand, you need to look at your processes and your procedures um, because you want to make sure it's aligned and it's efficient uh, as well. But I don't think that like a Gibson as a uh, company as Gibson, we will not be an enterprise in Europe uh, within, within a, a two months. That, that will not be the case. That's <laughs> Unless something that we, definitely takes time. That definitely takes time, yes. So, and we are, for example, now preparing for budget because we have a broken book year and our fiscal year starts in April. Uh, so we have prepared our budget for growth uh, and also to see where we are going. But we were not talking about hiring uh, 200 people in, in one year time. Mm -hmm. uh, but you will see the difference then, like the, the small group that we have now, the things that we are doing together now, uh, going from 35 to 200 employees, that will change. What I'm getting from you is that a lot of changes can still happen within an SME and that the fact that Gibson uh, is being called, well, perhaps only by the CEO, but still the fact that it's being called a 126-year-old startup, yep. on, the, on one hand is good because 
it startups go through a lot of changes they adapt fast they they survive they thrive um that, that's the vibe that i'm getting from you the fact that uh, different cultures are uh, being attached different procedures and processes what can you tell me about the the culture at uh, gibson for example yeah the culture at gibson and that's very interesting if i have my interviews with candidates um the first thing i say you don't need to wear a suit not not at all just don't come in wearing a suit even in sales it's not necessary because we talk to dealers you know the dealers are, are you know the, the the shops where the guitars are on the wall and they're not walking in suits either <laughs> um so they are artists um so the, the culture is very informal uh, and that also lies with the bureaucracy that we were discussing flat lines very informal company uh, wearing jeans is, is an option having tattoos long hair piercings whatever that you know that fits with the organization and being direct um, is also something which really fits with our culture um, our artists are our number one um, so we need to make sure that we can work well with them um, and and it doesn't matter who you are, how you look like, uh, that doesn't matter. As long as you are having Gibson as, you know, the guitar as number one, that's most important. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's a very um, informal, interesting culture. If you walk into the office and really depends on which area you are, but if you work in on a sales department or more a showroom, you hear people keep playing the guitar constantly and the, and the, the music can be loud sometimes. So it's basically heaven for musicians and artists. Yes, it's it's <laughs> like you walk into a candy shop, but then for for yeah, people who play the guitar. <laughs> a very good analogy. Talking about candy shops and kids, um, you said that the company is very informal, uh, direct, open. I'm curious about how many employees in their twenties uh, does the company have? We do, but not that many. So one of my my tasks for coming year is to really focus on younger uh, and also and, and you know and I need to be careful by saying this because um, officially I'm not allowed to to really look at somebody uh, age wise or female, male or or whatever. Um, that's something I'm not allowed to do. But looking at our organization, if you look at the amount of people under 30 years old, that's kind of low same as females we have like 20 percent of our organization in europe is eight percent is male 20 percent is female so i would love to hire more female and also the younger generation because i think that you know if you have a good balance between those you know 20 30 40 50 60 um i think that works the best because we can all learn from each other and every generation has a different mindset different ideas different approach um, so that's really something for me. That's my focus also for coming year. I, I really like that and appreciate it. And I think more people should think that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And for those who are listening, you know, please take a look at our website. And if we have a vacancy that you think that might suit, please send me an email because I'm, I'm more than interested. Yeah, I don't really think I need to tell which website it is. <laughs> but um, yeah, you mentioned the fact that you're not um, talking again to the HR person that you are. You yeah. said that you're not uh, allowed to look at age, gender, um, and more criteria. Uh, can you tell the audience why that is? Yeah, well, talking about uh, ethnicity, talk about uh, different uh, origins, uh, preference, etc. Um, we're just not allowed by law um, to exclude one group for the other. Um, so we need to look at um, 
the candidate's capabilities. And for me, it, it never matters. I mean, I've always said, I don't, I don't mind what kind of person I'm hiring, as long as somebody enthusiastic and, and is willing to do the job. And obviously, depending on the position, has the experience, then I hire that person. Um, but apparently, in the past, it happened that certain companies really um, did some things um, by excluding certain groups. Um, so that's that's why I made that law to not do that. And there are exceptions, um, uh, but then you need to have a very good reason why you do that. And does that law apply uh, just in the Netherlands, just in Gibson, Europe in general? Uh, what does your expertise say? In, in different countries. Yeah, but every country is different. But okay, in, in, in general, you, you just need to uh, make sure that you're not doing that. So a company should also not not do it, for sure. Well, of course, but then you have the law that presses it, uh, whether you want it or not. But uh, you know, no. Well, you should never exclude certain groups. Oh no, That's totally what I'm agree. To say. So you, you should never you should never do that. But again, if if you would say, for example, if I have a department, say marketing, and my my I have a group of um, of six employees, of which all of them are forty plus, for example, um, all male then yes, it, it's logical that I would say, okay, I would like to hire somebody a little bit younger, a little bit different mindset who can also come up with new ideas, et cetera. But at the end, if it means that I'm getting CVs in and I have somebody who really stands out and is, is the right person for the job and is still 40 years old, I will still hire that person. And what would you say about the difference um, in uh, a company the size of Gibson and SME and uh, something like a, an enterprise. So for example, the difference in belonging, safety, power in the company. Um, people assume that in an enterprise, you're being treated uh, like an employee number and nothing else. Uh, is it something that is comparable to Gibson? No, I don't think so. Um, I, from from experience, I would say that if you want to do something and if you, want, if you come up with new ideas, if you are doing your best and are doing a good job, then it doesn't matter in what kind of company you work, then you, you will make it. But if, if, if you're not doing a good job, then it doesn't matter if you work in a smaller company or a bigger company, um, at the end, it will have the same result. And what would you say is the difference between companies uh, smaller or bigger in comparison to a company of a size of, uh, like you said, 65 employees? Is there any difference? I don't know. I don't. I think everybody wants to make money. <laughs> Every company <laughs> wants to be stable. Every company wants to have a good name in the market and and wants to support people in the market. And and you know, so it it really it really depends. I think it it doesn't really matter. I think you uh, you want to be healthy as a company, and whether you are a very big company or or, or an, a medium sized company, I think you all strive for the same, and that's uh, growing, um, doing doing your best and, and find ways to improve, uh, but also find ways to support the community. Uh, and I think that every company does that, big or small. I'm also curious about the financing and funding of a company of a size of an SME. Uh, since you mentioned the fact that KKR um, got the ownership of Gibson in 2018, um, and we were talking that in startups, um, you know, the funding is basically coming from investors, angel investors, uh, companies. Um, how does it look like with Gibson? Uh, can those parties uh, still um, move capital from their own pocket into Gibson or does everything basically stay under the umbrella of KKR? 
Yeah, I don't know all the details, um, to be honest, because that's more finance related. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, I do know that we are, as Gibson are doing a good job and we're actually um, holding up our own, uh, how do you, would you say that in English? But we, we're doing, um, we, we don't need the money from KKR in, from that perspective. Um, but they have, you know, they put a new management team into the organization. Um, they came up with new ideas. We need to report to KKR, uh, the budgets. We need to discuss with KKR. And that's all being done through uh, the management team in the US. For us, nothing really changed. We've, we've only become better. So that that's really interesting, but so it really depends if a company buys another company. In this case, you know, cake, uh, Gibson is is a, a small company in Europe, but is a bigger company in America. Um, but it has such a great name that I think that not only KKR wanted to buy Gibson, there were more companies wanting to buy Gibson. Um, so for them, um, it was a very interesting to company to buy and would it be still interesting uh, would it still be possible for um, other types of investor besides KKR to uh, invest in Gibson not at this moment I think no no and KKR is very big so I don't expect them to let other companies uh, have a, having a part of this uh, nice pie <laughs> so to sum it up you basically got to a stage where uh, you can be independent and uh, rely on yourself and um, if anything is needed uh, you go to that one uh, big uh, pie holder which is KKR in your case is that right? In this case yes but at, case. you know the, the, the biggest difference is that at a startup you need to believe the idea of the company and the direction that they're going you don't have any history you don't know what's going to happen you see a gap in the market and and you you know that investment company needs to have an you know believes that it's going to work and they might not want to spend all their money they just want to add a, a, a part of it um well gibson has a history i mean everybody knows the organization they know the brand um so they knew what they were buying into and they've they've done their research before they bought Gibson uh, which with a small company that's not an, uh, or a startup that's hardly an option because you don't you can't do any research on something which is not there yet well yeah I mean in your case you have like what 126 years of data uh, available publicly online for everyone to see on the internet um, shouldn't be a biggie um, what can you tell me about the difference uh, in aims between startups and uh, SMEs for example the size of Gibson well, a startup wants to grow quickly uh, and startup wants to uh, grow quickly in terms of numbers, in terms of market share, in terms of employees. Uh, well, that's not necessary for a, um, um, an SME. Uh, an SME really wants to make sure that they, they are growing, they set their standards, but they can do that in a, in a more steady pace. So they can more look at um, making their process more efficient, looking at different markets, different options. Um, so they have a little bit more time and they can learn from the past uh, and how to improve. Well, an, an, a startup cannot learn from the past. They can only learn from the moment and learn from what is necessary or what is wanted in the market. Um, and Gibson is also growing and expanding every year. Um, our, our, our targets are higher. And uh, but we are also adding new products. What is being asked from the market? Um, but we are more, you know, we're looking at our processes, making them more efficient, uh, making them better, making sure that customer service is better. All these th type of things. So we're improving, constantly improving. Now you mentioned customers. Uh, I'm curious about the customers or perhaps even partners that um, an SME can uh, achieve that, for example, a startup or an enterprise cannot. Uh, is there any difference that you can tell me about? Looking from Gibson's perspective again. Um, 
you know, I think what the difference is, if, for example, if, if I look from, I'm an, uh, um, a small, medium-sized company, if I want, uh, for example, I wanted to uh, outsource my uh, IT, you know, uh, you're the IT person here, but uh, we wanted to outsource IT. I do not go to a very big company because I would like to have a small company doing that for us because um, for me, that feels easier. Uh, that feels that I don't have hundreds of lines. Um, and while an, an enterprise company also might not want us as a customer because we're we're only 65 employees. That's, that's not their uh, module that they are using or model that they're using to uh, uh, in terms of customers that they want. They would mm -hmm. usually want to have bigger customers or the price is higher. <laughs> that we need to pay more <laughs> than, than what we want. So I think that there is a difference. Um, that they that they more look at, at the type of organizations. Um, rather than I think you can if if you want, you can get every type of person or customer or that doesn't really matter. And uh, one more thing that I do want to ask is about the recruitment process in an SME like Gibson uh, compared to, uh, for example, a startup or an enterprise, again, wherever you have experience or knowledge. In an enterprise, I know that it can be very um, tailor-made. So for example, you have to cross X amount of points and you have to be very specific and exact. Uh, how does an SME look at that? Uh, do you have to be the top-notch, top performer? What can you tell us about that? That depends. It depends on the HR person. I mean, I, I really, for me, most important is if somebody got, gets in full of energy, uh, wanting to achieve something, uh, proactive, um, and, you know, lights up the room, then you, you've already have me for 50%. So for me, that's most important. But it really also depends on the on the department. Like, for example, if I'm looking for a finance person, I mean, somebody needs to have the right education. Somebody needs to have the right background in that. So it really depends on the position, whether we really look at what, what, what you need to have achieved. Um, and, and, and it also depends on, on the manager. Because some managers are really, they want to have every, um, every topic on the job descriptions uh, um, listed um, and others do not. So I would, I would say there, there's, you know, it, it depends per, co per company. But I think most important, again, is that you present yourself very well, that you make sure that your curriculum vitae is uh, well organized, well structured, uh, that every point of attention, which is, look you need to look at the job description and make sure that the, the uh, cv is also linked to that um, if you have that correct and you come into an, a company and you come in with a fresh mindset um, awake especially awake don't go uh, clubbing or whatever the night before just make sure that you come in fresh uh, well prepared make sure you look at the website make sure that you know who your audience is look at linkedin um, and and then go in and and be open and honest and um and never lie because we know Believe me, from HR point of view, we know if you're not telling the truth. And uh, if you I, I promise the audience, she didn't listen to, the, to those episodes, but she repeats the exact same words. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I'm sitting. Be I'm sitting behind the microphone here, laughing like <laughs> internally. But those are the exact same tips that every HR person gave so far. Uh, I spoke with like I think two or three. Uh, but in any case, the, the they don't lie. We know the uh, light of the room. The everything just repeats, and it's so funny. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, and and if you don't know the answer, just tell us you don't know the answer. I mean, that's not bad. I'm like, I want to clap <laughs> here, but not into the microphone because this is, a, again, 
exact same thing shout out to sebastian <laughs> <laughs> okay okay yeah uh, and and you never know eh? it really depends on what what the organization is looking for what the manager is looking for and it can be if you're not being hired it can also be that it's not because of you but because they have similar employees already in the organization they, they want to have a different profile or they want to have a different type of 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 person in terms of you know if somebody is is uh, if you have a team where you have people who are very outgoing uh, well spoken um or and and very pragmatic and and wanting to get all the projects and you know being the first one that you might want to have as an organization you want to have somebody who is more laid back more looking into overseeing everything very accurate so it, it's not always that you've done a bad job or that you've done a, a not a very good interview it also can also be that they're looking for a different type of person at that point of time so don't feel encouraged then um, do your best that's the most important <laughs> <laughs> and to top that up um, what stands out for you the most whenever doing interviews uh, from a candidate I mean <laughs> yeah no somebody who goes for it that that would also be my personal tip go for it if you want to achieve something and and you you're prepared and you are eager to do so you will reach it. Whatever stumble block you will face in, in the future, um, it, you can do it. I mean, it, it really, uh, if you have that energy and you put that energy in it, and again, I've hired persons who do not have the experience or who had like a, a couple of years um, out of the role or come from a different country who do not know the Dutch law. Um, I don't care if I believe in that person and they, they convince me in terms of their appearance. Um, and I can say they're doing a great job right now. Um, so most important is how you present yourself. Mm -hmm. So stay persistent. Uh, you can you can achieve the goal that you set for yourself. Just yep. just keep going. Keep going. If if it's not with one company, then it's with another company, and and make sure you do that. And what I should not say is HR, but I what I will say if you are in a company and you want to, you have your, you know, there are different type of persons. Some person wants to have a um, an, an organization where they work for ten years and they like doing what they do and get some more responsibilities, but don't want to have the end responsibility. Perfect. Um, you also have people who want to be the new Elon Musk or the new Steve Jobs or whatever, you know, and if you have the feeling that you're with a company, and you, you cannot grow because the company is too small or because there's a manager above you who will never leave the organization or for whatever reason, make that decision for yourself and don't stick around, you know, then go move on. I mean, the organization will not mind either. Of course, at that point of time, they probably do, but they understand that reasoning. If you have your career path planned um, in the future, um, make sure you follow that path and don't let anything else come in between. Yeah, honestly, great. But how, how, how exactly do you know that it's not the place for you? You can feel that. You, you can feel if you have, at a certain time, if you feel you're, you're being blocked, you cannot go further, you, you get that feeling, you know, you, you're, you're not making the steps into the organization that you want to achieve. You maybe like your, your, the team, you maybe like the organization and, and that's fine. I mean, uh, that's, that's good. But if, if you really set yourself a goal to be the, the president of an organization in 10 years time, and you're already eight years ahead and you're still uh, in, in a position that you like, but not a manager level, for example, then you need to make a step. And that's yeah. difficult, um, but, but you can do it. I, I've done the same. I mean, I, I, I come from a completely different background, um, but I always wanted to do, 
to be a manager of a team. And, and at the end, I am right now. Uh, I had some uh, stumble blocks in between, <laughs> but yeah. I've made it. <laughs> uh, and therefore, I had to leave an organization, which I really I liked the organization, I liked the team, but I could not um, get that role that I wanted. So then I had to move forward. And I'm still in contact with them. Um, and that's also, I think, one of the things that one of the other managers probably would have said as well. If you leave an organization, do that in a good way. They can always be your, um, yeah, step up to another career. They, they know a lot of other people, so they can help you. I would ask you what your personal tip is, but I think you just said it. Is this, is this the whole tip or is there like a, one more thing that you would like to definitely pass to your younger self? To my younger self. To your younger self. Caught you off guard right there. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. Good question. My Enjoy. Enjoy every step that you're making. I mean, even though you've set a goal or you want to do something in the future, but also enjoy the present. Enjoy what you're doing right now. Um, and, and be positive. Don't look at the things which are going wrong. Look, look at the things that are going well. And, and go along with that. Move forward with that. Yeah, well said. Um, can't agree more, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, looking at the length of this episode, I think we need to start wrapping it up. Um, today we discussed uh, SMEs, we compared them to startup and uh, bigger companies like enterprises. Uh, we talked what it's like working in Gibson. And uh, we also got some more insight on recruitment, which actually just confirms everything that we said in the previous episode. So thank you for that, Natasha. Thank you for being here. But now we really need to wrap up. So... To sum things up, as we always do, uh, we were talking about the generalist approach. Uh, like mentioned with startups, um, this kind of approach where everyone does everything applies more on an individual level. But when talking about an SME, for example, uh, the focus is more concrete, but still working together with other departments uh, on solution applies in this scenario, which actually brings me to my next point, uh, being that working on such close terms with people um, brings everybody closer to each other, and that can be uh, leading the organization to be more efficient. And with such attitude, uh, which can also lead to the feel of a family office. But uh, as we learned today, in the case of Gibson, there are no rituals. When we look at bureaucracies, they still exist also in SMEs, uh, but so do flat lines. Uh, there's still the option to just, you know, walk into the manager's office uh, directly and uh, file a complaint or just talk about the, the weekend, for example. And if you didn't have a good weekend, you can always talk about business ideas. Um, when talking about startups and SMEs growth, um, the first change that uh, Natasha mentioned she would expect is in uh, culture and procedures, especially uh, when business is acquiring another one, those cultures mix. Uh, cultures in SME can be dependent on the type of an organization. Uh, so try finding an organization that fits you and your own culture. Once an SME uh, figured the strategy, uh, the strong and weak points uh, of its own culture, um, they might see a benefit of diversification in hiring. Uh, different mindset is a great asset to have just as much as the right skills. Also keep in mind that uh, HR is not allowed to uh, exclude uh, one group for another. Um, everyone still needs to be judged based on their skills and not anything else. Now, when talking about the funding, the shiny stuff that everyone is working for, um, startups usually get their own uh, from external sources. But when talking about SMEs, uh, they can provide for themselves in often cases. 
when we were talking about investing in startups in the previous episodes, uh, we understood that uh, there's not a lot of data about the startup itself, obviously because it's new. But on the other hand, um, when investing in a startup, you need to know the idea, you need to understand and believe in that same idea in which uh, the startup also believes. But in case of investing in a in an SME, for example, you can rely on data that was produced by the SME throughout all the time that it was operating. Again, comparing to a startup, often they focus on expansion and uh, by a certain point they get big enough to actually consider to uh, focus on process and efficiency because you can only expand so much. Both do it in the, on the go, uh, both are learning and both are developing, it's just a matter of attitude and approach. When talking about customers or partners, SMEs, uh, as Natasha mentioned in her case with Gibson, uh, like to partner with companies uh, their own size just because it's easier with paperwork and procedures because uh, the businesses are of the same size, uh, they operate on the same way and that way you don't have to readjust yourself for a different size company because again, procedures can be hell. But again, it can all depend on the shiny stuff. Two things that I actually enjoyed about hearing today was uh, that one, working remotely can also bring people together, which is a true pandemic magic. Uh, I hope Gibson is not the only company who had it. I really hope that more companies um, got to work together remotely with each other more often and it brought the employees together. Uh, the second point being is that the recruitment process is no different than anywhere else. And for more tips about that, please check out our previous episodes where we talked about recruitment with Sebastian. Having all of that said, thank you very much, guys. Thank you for listening, and until next time.